We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is Tuesday night here on the OBR Streaming Network. It is 9 o'clock, and that means it's only time for one thing. It's time for the Garage Beers Podcast Live. Welcome on into episode 160 of Garage Beers. I am your host, Michael Keith. Joining me, as always, over on the east side of Cleveland, it's my co-host, Chad Meyer. What's going on, Chad? Uh, you know, I, I just realized something. It was kind of sad. Uh, this was this happened yesterday? Uh this year has been one of the more trying years of my life, right? A lot of personal stuff uh, happening, but it, it, in the in the in the background of all of this, I've probably watched the least amount of sports I've ever watched in my entire life this year. <laughs> I just realized that. Isn't that well, sad? Hey, bless you, Joe. God Isn't bless that you. Sad. <laughs> yeah, bless you, Joe. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Joe's over here just making body noises yeah, in the background. I want to ask. I want to ask. I want to ask you guys a question. I want to ask you guys a question. No. Uh, yeah. the masters was this weekend and not, you know, it's, I, mean, it, I just, I got curious. I got curious. Uh, what would you guys, if you guys donned the green jacket, we're fortunate enough to don Ooh. the green jacket and you got to plan the dinner, uh, before next year, uh, what would you, what would you plan? Mm. I love that question. And I, and I love that that became such a topic of conversation during the masters this year is, is the masters dinner. Uh, I, I think it was, uh, it was sliders this year, with? right? Who do you get out to dinner with? No, it's it's like all the Masters champions. Go out they, have, they get invited to a dinner before the Masters. Wow. So I think uh, Scotty Scheffler did like sliders uh, this year, just kind of a casual dinner. I, I'd probably be somewhere in that line. I, I, for me, I'd probably just have like steaks. Uh, just do like a steak dinner hmm. would be my jam. I don't know. I, I would do some of the ones. Some of the ones were real creative. <laughs> I love that Scotty Scotty Scheffler was like, "Let's get casual and do uh, 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 sliders," but I'm probably a steak guy. We do only only dairy, <laughs> only dairy. That's what you're all eating. Yep, exactly. Well, uh, you guys are all going to be shitting your pants out on the course this week. <laughs> Meanwhile, because you're having milk and cheese. I have oat milk, and then you know. <laughs> well, this is what it was. This is what it was. Uh, cheeseburger sliders served Scotty style, whatever that means. Uh, firecracker shrimp, uh, tortilla soup, 
And then he did a Texas ribeye steak or a blackened redfish. So you had your little surf and turf action going on. And then uh, for dessert, he did a warm chocolate chip skillet cookie. Uh, Which you cannot go wrong with. No, you you cannot cannot go wrong with that. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I would want to go casual, but I would need something to impress the hell out of my friends, too. I'm going to do chicken nuggies (laughs) with a foie gras. uh, (laughs) Foie gras, sweet and sour sauce. And a duck confit. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Poutine. poutine. We'll just do, you know, we'll just do a whole j- chicken nuggy poutine just to combine it. <laughs> nuggy poutine. Chicken nuggy it. poutine casserole. All right. I like that. I, li- I thought you were going to start us on a very down note when you were talking about just a bunch of down. I was, dude. Stuff. Well, that is down, man. I've watched, I've, I've, I haven't been able to watch. I mean, it's been inconsistent. I'll, I'll say that. I haven't been able to watch the least amount of uh, sports. Look at as chat. much sports as I've been able to this year. Our buddy Chat, thank you for being here with us, Chat. Uh, Hungry Man TV dinners can't go wrong with that. Just a whole bunch of frozen TV dinners would be outstanding. Yeah. Uh, like you just see Phil Mickelson eating Salisbury steak. <laughs> just complaining about it. Uh, also joining us down in Nashville, Tennessee, it's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe? Joe, you're muted. Dude, is this your first time doing this? No, I, I don't have my shit together. We're here, though. <laughs> he's making, he's sneezing in the background. I've been sicker than the dog since I got back. I'm just, I'm here. Since You've you been sick? Since you got yeah. Back from, where? from Cleveland. My glasses fogging up. Did did we do did we do it that hard on opening day? You're just no. not feeling it. No, it was either airport or kids or Okay, know. you are not blaming my children. Oh boy. Oh know. boy. Forget I saw you. some snotty noses when I was there. Forget you. You are a snotty <laughs> nose. You're a snotty nose. Hey, listen, we have got a fantastic episode planned i think we're going to get into the masters a little bit later we've got some of our favorite segments of the week to get into a little bit later but listen i'm so excited for this segment i'm so excited for this episode because for the first time for the first time since the late 1990s think about that guys for the first time since the late 1990s the cleveland cavaliers in the nba playoffs without a guy named lebron james for the first time, I mean, they played postseason basketball last year. They were in the play-in tournament, but they didn't make it out of the play-in tournament. For the first time since the late 90s, the Cleveland Cavaliers are in the NBA playoffs uh, without LeBron, and they are hosting a playoff series. And with us to talk about it and to talk about the entire NBA playoffs, we have got, well, who better? Who better than one of our very good friends, our first ever guest on this podcast, and now a multi-time guest, the radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to bring him in right now. It's Tim Alcorn. Tim, welcome back. Oh, it's great to be with you guys. Was I was I truly the first ever guest on Garage Beers? Numero uno, Tim. Numero, Numero uno. Number one. Wow. Episode number three. And it's Three improved ago, drastically. Too. It's improved drastically <laughs> ever since. <laughs> <laughs> production quality is at an all-time high. <laughs> Preparedness and production quality is at the top. Yeah. Well, you, you started with the bar low, figured we have nowhere to go but up. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow we always oh. come back to the bar, Tim. We always come back to the bar. That's our motto here on Garage Beers. Always get back to back the bar. Back to the bar, yeah. We're, yeah, well, there's the bar you're referring to, and then the low bar that I set. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
sometimes you guys end up beneath the bar. But <laughs> yeah, you know, we, <laughs> we been there, I've been on top of the bar. I've been everywhere at the bar. You know, our twenties were a time, Tim. Our twenties were a time. <laughs> oh, for all of us, Jack. Yeah, for all of us. <laughs> now, uh, Tim, what would you? What would you have for your master's dinner if you if you were able to pick the menu? Yeah, I heard you guys chatting about that. Um, I'm a steak guy. Uh, I could eat steak anywhere, anytime. So, although none of you mentioned with the uh, Masters at Augusta down in Georgia, yeah, none of you said pecan pie. Ooh, yeah, yeah. See, I didn't think we got we didn't, we didn't go through like a whole menu. Like he's, he's just a steak guy, but we didn't. You do mentioned sides. the you mentioned the chocolate chip cookie. Oh, and well, that's what, what Scotty Scheffler had. That's what Scotty Scheffler did. I feel like you're pandering, Tim. You're pandering. You're pandering. <laughs> Actually, I don't like pecan pie. I like I like most pies, but I don't yeah. like pecan pie. Well, then, see, you wouldn't even have that. You wouldn't even now, do that. Now, no, steak, I would are you, not. Are you a baked potato guy, or would you go mashed? With a steak, I usually do baked. There we go. Yeah. All right. What? You okay, Chad? You all right? What? Ooh, ooh so good. Ooh. Baked potato is the perfect pairing with yeah. I kind of am. I really. Yeah. Although I also like prime. I, don't know, I, I feel like you got to throw one off the wall thing in there though. Like you could do steak potato and then like make people eat like caramel corn on the side, right? Like do something <laughs> weird on the, like and a box of cracker jacks and like let's get after this thing. Sure, we'll do that at Augusta. Yeah, right. Sure, right, right. Mike. That's sure, Mike. Well, listen, but what's Augusta famous for? Augusta's famous for cheap snacks, right? Like, there's no food menu on or food option on their menu that's more than, like, $3, right? Something like that, yeah. Well, except the import beers are, like, three seventy five if you count that. I'm telling you. All right, I'll give you that. <laughs> All right, I'll give you. Go ahead. Go down to the Masters and grab some gummy bears at the dinner before – before That's it. Field of champions. <laughs> but I want it served with the dinner. I want it like steak, potatoes, gummy bears all on a plate. I want that <laughs> thing to serve together. Yeah. All right. That's what I would do. That's what I do. And, and I like Joe. Joe, I think you had the best idea. Let's get people sick before the Sabotage. Even the people that aren't playing. Just everybody sabotage. I love that idea. Yep. I love that idea. Uh, so, Tim, uh, you've done this with us before. You haven't done it with us. So, I, 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 I want to check in with you before we start. Uh, did you bring a beer with you or no? I did not bring a beer with me. I'm okay. sorry. I apologize. No, it's okay. We know you're a Blue Moon guy, so uh, we can I always am. just we can always just give a shout out to Blue Moons. That's cool. Uh, we're gonna throw it around real quick and do our beers of the week, and then we're gonna talk a little basketball. Uh, and so, Joe, why don't you start us off? What are you drinking this week? Oh, reliable Montucky cold snack. Oh, you're doing two weeks in a row. All right, he, does, he doesn't. He really doesn't have it together. Shopping. He doesn't have it together. <laughs> I've been Ohio, I've been in Ohio since the last podcast. So, poor Joe. Hopefully, I was hoping Grandma's picture there in the background would make you feel better. But, well, I... Grandma's house always does it. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, got nothing. <laughs> Joe's got the same beer he had last week. What about you, Chad? What are you drinking this week? Something a little different. Uh, went to Trader Joe's from Southern Tier. Everyone, mm. I got the uh, I got the Bourbon Smash. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Bourbon whiskey uh, with natural ginger, mint, and lemon flavors. It's good. It is a tasty beverage. That is, that, that is delicious. Really we, we've always got those in the fridge at our house. Bourbon smash, Southern Tier, absolutely delicious. Great choice. Not a yeah. beer, garage drink, but awesome. Right. Right. I agree. Yeah. Trader Trader Joe's, you said, Chad. 
That's right. That's right. Oh, that sounds great. I'll remember that. It is delicious. I highly recommend it. Tim, I think you can get them like Giant Eagle, Heinen's, Trader Joe's. Like they're everywhere. So yeah, it's it's like they come in like a four pack, and they're just like it's like a little black box four pack. Awesome, awesome. Okay, some stuff. Good call, Chad. Uh, I was in heaven today, boys. Boys, I was in heaven. Oh boy, here we are. Here we go. Here I am in. Here I am in Western Massachusetts, home away from home, the place I travel to as much as anywhere else. Sitting here in Chicopee, Massachusetts, just it's Chicopee north by of the way. Tim Alcorn, Chicopee, just north <laughs> Tim Alcorn of Springfield, Massachusetts, the home of yes, the Basketball Hall of Fame, where Tim Alcorn is going to find himself one day, right? As a broadcaster, come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cheering on somebody that's going in. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Uh, uh, about thirty. Minutes away from here is the best brewery I've ever been to in my whole life. It's called Treehouse Brewery. I've had about a hundred of these beers on the podcast, and let's make it a hundred and one. I picked up some fresh Treehouse beers. I spent way too much money. It's the one expense that I can make for beers that my wife doesn't want to kill me about. Like when I'm up here, it doesn't matter how much I spend on beer. She's like, "Cool, just bring it home." So I grabbed this one. It's called the Juice Machine, and of course, it's a hazy IPA. It's great can art, and it is. I mean, it's spectacular. It's a spectacular beer, top to bottom. You can't go wrong at Treehouse. They may get my cheer of the week at the end of this, but this is a fantastic beer. So listen, threw it around. Those are our beers of the week. Let us know in the comments. All of you guys joining us in the comments, uh, let's get lively. Tell us what you're drinking tonight. We'll throw it up on the screen. Uh, I do want to say if you're joining us live tonight and you're on Twitter, welcome. We love having you live. But if you want to join in the fun, if you want to, join in the conversation get over to twitch get over to youtube we can't see your comments on twitter but we can see your comments if you're watching us on twitch and youtube so be a part of the comments if you want to ask tim alcorn some questions about the cavaliers about the nba jump over here and get into the comments uh, and again let us know what you're drinking but those are our garage beers of the week let us know what you're drinking and uh guys to usa cheers and let's get on with episode number 160 of the garage beers podcast and tim alcorn again the radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And listen, you've been doing it for, is this year three? The year four. Your first year was the I, show. I like, to say, I like to say that Darius Garland and I are on the same timeline. He got the super max contract extension. They just keep renewing my 10-day deal. So. <laughs> well, the good news is you guys, you, guys both wore, you guys both wore the same outfit when he got drafted by the Cavs. <laughs> I don't remember what DG wore. Oh, yeah. you don't. It was like a I tan, don't. like long flowing outfit. Yeah, you got it in your closet. Yeah. Oh, sure, I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I try to accessorize it too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Your first year with the Cavaliers was the shortened year because of COVID. Uh, then it was the the bubble, the you know nobody in the arenas year where the Cavs kind of looked promising that year. The year the the next year was a little bit of a disappointment. Here we are. You've got the the Donovan Mitchell trade. You've got the young guys growing into what we want them to grow into. And here we sit, the Cavaliers as the four seed in the Eastern Conference playoff bracket. Just Tim, I mean, after you after you've been on the road with them, after you've watched them, after you've been around the players and the coaches and the organization for this year for eighty two games. Uh, just, just talk about the season for just your impressions of 
the season and how it went and 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 just kind of covering life with the Cavaliers? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Chad. Uh, you know, Jim and I were talking on the air the other night, uh, Jim Jones, my color commentator and partner and good friend. We were talking on the air about it's an 82-game marathon that flew by. I know that's a contradiction in terms, but it's a long grind. And yet the games are so unrelenting. They just keep coming at you, except for the all-star break, that it goes rather quickly. That being said, uh, I can remember opening night in Toronto like it was last night. And Darius Garland had his eye poked and uh, all of a sudden you're going to be missing DG for several games. Oh. And yet the Cavs came out of the blocks at eight and one. And you saw Donovan Mitchell early on. And you thought, wow, uh, this guy's been hiding in plain sight out in Utah. Three-time All-Star, and yet you didn't really realize how great of a player he was, how elite he was, until you got to see him night in and night out. And you could see that early in the season, especially with DG uh, being on the shelf for those first nine or ten games uh, with that eye injury. So uh, that really opened your eyes. Um you know, I'm not going to go into game by game, but as as you kind of went through the season, uh, you were waiting for Ricky Rubio to return. You know that you knew that was going to have an impact on the team. Uh, January comes around, and you had the real rugged West Coast swing, and Ricky coming back, and uh, they kind of slogged their way through the month of January, and then once you got into February, uh, Ricky found a little bit of a rhythm. Karis Levert started picking up his game. And Evan Mobley started to really improve. And all of a sudden, you're going, this team could do something pretty special. And Donovan just continued his elite play, uh, game in and game out. And so uh, kind of fast forwarding now to the end of the year, I think the Cavalier goal was to always avoid the play-in. Uh, I'll quibble a little bit with your description of last year, Mike. Um well, it was disappointing in the fact that Jared got hurt down the stretch and they didn't get into the playoffs. But overall, it was not disappointing. They went from 22 no. wins to 44 wins. So, And let me correct myself. Let me correct myself, Tim. It was the your first year, and, and I, I totally misspoke, your first year to your second year. That was where it was a little bit of a disappointment because it seemed like your first year, they were kind of building on something. And then your second year, they dealt with some injuries, but they just their record was kind of the same in year two as it was year one. They didn't they didn't grow in the wins. So that that was my mistake as, as how I described it. OK, right. Because you, you're correct in the fact that uh, my first year was the 19 win season. My second year was the 22 win season. And yes. then last year uh, is when they doubled that yes. to get to 44. Yeah, so the goal mistake. this year. Oh, no, you're good. So just. So the goal this year was to avoid that play-in. Let's get out of that, and let's see if we can get into that top six at least uh, to make some progress. Uh, but 50 wins in a year, that's a pretty strong benchmark in the NBA. And I know JB talked about that when they got to that 50-win level. Uh, when you talk about a 50-win team, that's a pretty special team. Only six teams in the NBA did it this year. And to get home court advantage – in the first round of the playoffs and what was a dogfight in the Eastern conference. Uh, it's been a remarkable season and, but they're not satisfied. Uh, I, I hope fans don't think, ah, oh, the Cavs are happy to be there. They got their 50 win season. They're going to have home court. Uh, boy, what a great year it is, 
but they're not satisfied at all. Uh, they they want to see how far they can push this thing. They're really driven. They're really fueled. And so uh, it's going to be interesting. This first round series, and I'm sure we'll get into it, is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a battle with the Knicks. But you know what? Hey, let's test these guys and see where they're at. And uh, boy, no better way to do it than the four or five matchup. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I, w- I want to go back to Donovan for a, se- a quick second, Tim. You know, I-, I just wanted to get your first impressions when they initially traded for Donovan because I know a lot of people, uh, you know, the people who did have questions were, you know, how oh great another six foot guard, another you, you know, wh- how are they going to fit in this system? They, you know, a lot of people kind of thought that they needed more of a wing player, and you know, and Donovan here we here is another guard. What were your initial impressions when Donovan initially came in uh, to uh, to this team? Well, the the initial reaction to the trade, from my perspective, was, you know, in the end, we didn't give up as much as I thought we would have had to to get a Donovan Mitchell. So let me explain that a little bit. When the trade was first announced right before Labor Day, you're going, wow, three players and three number one draft choices. But to me, you only really gave up one player that was integral to the Cavs' success last year where they went to that 44-win level, and that was Lowry Marketing. And, and now he's shown in Utah just how special a player he is. But to acquire a player like a Donovan Mitchell, you have to give up something. And so I know the Cavs really had a tough time in including Lowry Marketing in that deal. But uh, the other two guys, Ochai Abaji, obviously, has upside, has potential, but he had never even put a Cavalier uniform on. Colin Sexton and I, Hey, I'm a Colin Sexton fan. And there wasn't a player that I saw in a Cavalier uniform, my first three years that worked harder than Colin Sexton, even on his rehab. But again, he really wasn't a part of the 44 win team. He got hurt early uh, that early season game in New York against the Knicks. So really the only part of the team last year that you gave up was marketing and the three number one draft picks. If you're on an Ascension, those are going to be low in the first round. Those aren't going to be lottery picks. So if you're making your move, putting your chips in the table per se, then to me, those three number ones are going to end up in the bottom of the first round anyway. So I'm not going to say that I was a Donovan Mitchell expert. Obviously, we had seen him. But as I mentioned earlier, he was he was kind of hiding out there in Utah. You knew he was a three-time All-Star, but you didn't see him a lot on TNT or ESPN. Uh, it's not really a major market in Salt Lake. Right. So you, you had this guy that you're thinking, okay, he's pretty good. I mean, we've seen him and seen some highlights of him and so forth. But uh, you didn't realize how elite he was until he got here. But uh, just to circle back and kind of answer your question, Chad, I was excited about the deal. Because to me, it was it was one key player in Lowry Marketing that figured in last year's success. The other two, again, nothing against Ochai Abaji or Colin Sexton, but they weren't a major part of the 44-win team. And the three first-round picks, to me, they're going to end up mid to high 20s anyway. Tim, to, to kind of just kind of recap the season a little bit more before we move into the playoffs, uh, another guy that I think everybody wants to talk about is Evan Mo. Yes. We, we've got national, big-time national basketball media members saying that he's got their vote for defensive player of the year. Uh, we're talking about an Evan Mobley. You kind of talked about it. This back half of the season, he really felt like, uh, to me, defensively, I think he's been great since he came into the league. 
but he really kind of turned this, in my opinion, he turned this like aggression corner. He, he, it, there was like something that clicked with him that made him like, be, this is at least what it felt like watching him. He felt like he could just be the best player out on the court. There were moments where he just willingly tried to take games over and he was good at it. And, and in a game that they play in the NBA, that's kind of how it goes. Guys can, can kind of individually take games over and Evan Mobley just proved time and time again, there were just so many games, especially down the stretch where Evan Mobley was putting up like 25 points and 12 rebounds and 22 points and 18 rebounds. And it just seemed very consistent for him down the stretch. Just talk about the development. I mean, do you think we're talking about a guy that is the caliber of a defensive player of the year candidate at this point? even just two years into his career. And and what did you see for him uh, just kind of confidence-wise that, did, like, did you notice him turn that corner this year? I did, absolutely. And, and Jim did as well. And uh, one of the things that we talked about, and, and you guys have been around athletes, you've been around teams. Uh, one thing that can build confidence that you alluded to, Mike, is the weight room. Evan Mobley got into that weight room. If you look at pictures of him of April 10th of last year compared to April 10th of this year, uh, he's added some upper body. Uh, and again, his body's just filling out. He's only a 20-year-old young yeah. man. So Ridiculous. Uh, but, but that strength has given him confidence. And where he's added to his offensive game is in that low block, uh, that little hook shot that he's developed in the lane, that little yes. turnaround bank shot, either left or right of the lane. Uh, he's confident when he goes up with that shot now. And as you said, uh, even on the offensive glass where he has willed himself into some points, that just that's just due to strength. I'm not saying there's nothing with basketball ability to do with it as well, but uh, he has really developed his body, which has allowed him to become more confident. And to your other point about defensive player of the year, I think he's absolutely going to get votes for that. I think he and Jared Allen are the, perfect complement to one another and it creates yes just mismatch or excuse me it, excuse me it creates matchup nightmares for the opposition Evan Mobley might get defensive player of the year or at least be in that conversation but to me guys Jared Allen is the key to the Cavalier defense because when Jared Allen is in the paint and he's locking down that interior that allows Evan Mobley with that huge wingspan to get out on the wing and that athleticism and defend a three ball and defend a two guard if he has to on a switch. Um, so Evan is a superior defensive player, but it's having Jared Allen in the middle that allows Evan to get out on the perimeter and on the wing, but he can also defend the low block. We've seen that where Jared yep. has missed games and you put Evan at center. And as I alluded to earlier, the strength that he's developed, but just his defensive instincts uh, take over at that point. So he's an elite defender. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So guys, let's do our Cavaliers slash NBA playoff preview as right now. I mean, the postseason has started. Uh, you may not say it's the playoffs, but right now the Hawks and the Heat are going at it. That's the 7-8 game. Uh, the Hawks right now up double digits against the the Heat in the fourth quarter. So if the Hawks win, they will be the seven seed. The Heat will go on to play the winner of the nine versus 10 matchup, uh, which is what? The Bulls and who else is playing? Bulls Toronto. And Toronto. Bulls and Toronto right? tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. 
And then we got the Wolves and the Lakers playing uh, a little bit later tonight. Uh, that's also that 7-8 place in the uh, in the West. But listen, guys, let's talk about this matchup that the Cavaliers are facing. The Cavaliers, the New York Knicks. Uh, I feel like a lot of people thought the Cavaliers could get, you know, I know you said, Tim, that they, the goal was to stay out of the play-in, but once they made that trade for Donovan Mitchell, I think maybe that goal even went a little bit higher. And I think a lot of people thought the Cavaliers could kind of get into the, they should be a solid lock for the playoffs. And they were all season long. This was a top four team in the East all season long. The New York Knicks were a little bit of a Cinderella in that I don't think people, you look at their roster and they've got a good roster, but I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to be a top five team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think uh, the feeling in New York, especially amongst their media, which is a feeding frenzy, uh, <laughs> once they once they didn't end up with Donovan Mitchell, I think their their thought process was, oh, this is this is going to be a lost season. They didn't realize how good and how effective Jalen Brunson was going to be. They almost looked at him as like a consolation prize. Well, we didn't get Donovan. You know, they had to do something, so they got Brunson. Brunson's a special <laughs> player. Now, I'll take Donovan Mitchell any day, but I'm just saying uh, right, all, right. all was not lost. They went out and they got Jalen Brunson. Now you put him along with Randall and the other pieces that they have on that team. And listen, Tom Thibodeau has won wherever he has been. So you've got a winning coach. And two years ago, they had a nice run in the Eastern Conference. Of course, got knocked out surprisingly by Atlanta uh, in the first round of the playoffs. But uh, they've, they've got some key pieces. They've got some nice players with Randall and R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin. We mentioned Brunson. But Mitchell Robinson is a guy that gives Jared Allen some problems because it's that physical type center. So... Uh, yeah, I think matchup-wise, these two teams are very evenly matched. But to your point, Mike, uh, I agree. I don't think any of the prognosticators were saying, oh, this New York team, uh, they're going to vault up to the number five spot. No, and, and listen, I think there are some Cavaliers fans, and I might put myself in here, that are a little tense about this series. Because when you look at the Cavaliers. As they and should Knicks, be. And the Cavaliers-Knicks series this year, the Knicks won three out of four games, including well, the last time they played, the Knicks kicked the living crap out of the Cavaliers. And maybe you don't put a lot of stock in one individual game, but the Cavaliers had a lot of trouble with the New York Knicks this year. Well, two points. Uh, that fourth and final game, keep in mind, uh, Isaac Okoro and Jared Allen did not play in that game. And as I mentioned to me, Jared Allen is the key to the Cavaliers' defensive success. It starts with Jared in the middle. Um, and I don't know if Jalen Brunson goes off for 48 if Isaac Okoro's in that game as well. He's a, Isaac's a great defender. Don't get me wrong. Brunson had a great game that night. But uh, for Cavs fans to feel tense or they feel you know, a little nervous about this series, I, I think it's going to be a great series. I think it's going to go six, maybe seven games. Uh, I don't see the Cavaliers walking through New York, nor do I see uh, the Knicks doing the same to the Cavaliers. I think they're evenly matched. Uh, I think they're both defensive-minded basketball teams. Uh, JB will always start by talking about the defensive end of the floor. I mentioned before, Tom Thibodeau. You look at his resume. It's always based on defense. So these are going to be you know, what they call those clutch scenarios. You know, one or two possession games with five minutes to go. And uh, 
you know, it's going to be exciting, but it's going to be nerve wracking as well. I, I don't see either team blowing the other one out a multitude of times. Yeah. I mean, as a, I mean, as a, from a team standpoint, you know, you touched on some of the individuals, you know, Jalen Brunson, uh, you know, Mitchell Robinson having trouble with Jared, uh, giving Jared Allen some problems, but as a team, what, you know, what kind of challenges do the Knicks present to the Cavs that makes it so tough? I mean, again, you look at those last two games, I mean, even with Allen and Okoro out, but the last two matchups that these two teams have played with each other, it's kind of been back and forth a little bit. Uh, yeah. So what, what, what challenges do the Knicks present uh, for the Cavs? Well, Chad, I think it starts on the defensive end. Um, they they really know how to play lockdown defense. And, and one of the things that Jim has mentioned uh, throughout the season, not just the games with the Cavaliers, uh, when teams zone up, uh, that seems to give the Cavs some problems. And, and we've talked about this uh, on the air, and, and I've talked about it with you guys, uh, that, that perimeter three guy that can just – bust a zone by knocking down some three balls. Now, the guy we haven't talked about yet, I'm sure we will, is Danny Green. Uh, I think he's going to play a role in this series with his ability to knock down outside shots. Uh, 165 playoff games, 159 of those 165 he started. Uh, was a huge part of San Antonio's success uh, when he was there with Pop and and. Dunk, or Tim Duncan and Ginobili in that group. So uh, Danny Green did not play in any of the four games against the Knicks. He wasn't even with the Cavs in the first three matchups. And then that fourth game, uh, he was out. I believe that was the, there was a couple of games he missed with health and safety protocols. So the Knicks haven't seen Danny Green yet. And I think he's going to play a big role in this series. Well, I, th- I think that's so interesting that, that you say that, Tim, because J.B. Bickerstaff had, had really kind of locked down a rotation and it, and it really was an eight man rotation, right? It was, it was your starting five and your three guys off the bench. And that's the rotation that he had run with and that he's run with for the majority of the season. And, and we haven't, we saw a lot of games without Danny green. I mean, they, they made the move to bring in Danny green. And I think a lot of people got kind of excited about that because he's a shot maker and, and a lot of shot makers or a, a lot of what this team needs He's just a guy that can fill in a shot, just make a shot. And he kind of found his way out of the rotation. And so I know later on here in the season, he's found his way in. He had that great game when they didn't play any of their starters in Orlando where he was just lighting it up. But do you see JB expanding who he plays over what he did the regular season? Well, that's for JB to answer, not me. He'll have plenty of uh, press conferences between now and game one on Saturday night. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm speaking here as Tim Elkhorn, just, you know, being on your show, not as an official cab spokesman per se. Um, you got to remember Danny Green was coming off major knee surgery, big time knee surgery. So once the Cavaliers acquired him, um, and I'm just being very honest with you here. I don't know what his status was insofar as being ready to play right out of the shoot. So, and you were at the very end of the schedule. I mean, this was, you know, the, the, the buyout period and all that. So again, just speaking on my behalf, they may have been working him through some rehab stuff. Uh, I said, when they signed him, I don't think they signed him just to sit and watch. Uh, and, And I still go by that. So, whether or not uh, JB is going to lengthen the rotation or alter the rotation, 
that remains to be seen. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with matchups. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with, you know, do they need offense? Do they need some defensive stops? Um, so he'll play with that a little bit. But I think I think for sure you're going to see Karis Levert, Rubio, and then it'll be some sort of combination of Danny Green, Jetty Osmond, and Dean Wade. Um, some nights it may be Danny, some nights it may be Jetty. We'll see how that all plays out. But I, I don't think Danny Green won't see playing time. I'll say that. Love that. Uh, okay. All right. I'm reading through the comments. Andrew, man, it, it, come on. We drink beers on all of our shows. The beers are always here. Stop that. Uh, so I know I he's get, like, I, guess, no I can hold, I can hold mine up, but that's better. Yeah. It's like, are you, are you just, <laughs> Joe, just sit this there beer? and hold your beer? <laughs> just sit there and hold just your beer. Product like placement. <laughs> yeah. Right. Whoa. No free ads. Yeah. No free ads. Right. Uh, for this young uh, and again, how big – a lot of these guys haven't seen playoff basketball. They saw the play-in uh, mm-hmm. last year, but a lot of them haven't seen playoff basketball. Like a lot of these guys are going to walk into Madison Square Garden <laughs> next week. Yes. Yep. For playoff basketball, how important is Donovan Mitchell not, – not, not Donovan Mitchell the scorer, not Donovan Mitchell the ball handler, not Donovan Mitchell – the guy on the court, how important is Donovan Mitchell, the guy who has been absolutely excellent in the postseason for his entire career? How important is that guy in leading these teams and teaching, leading this team and teaching them how to play in the postseason? And Michael, just to emphasize that point, uh, if you look at his resume in Utah, every single solitary category he went up in postseason basketball. Yeah. He went up in points per game. He went up in rebounds per game. He went up in assists per game. So you're right. Uh, he has just been electrifying in postseason basketball. So he's going to be very important as far as just imparting those words of wisdom and knowing what it's going to take and knowing the intensity of playoff basketball. Uh, you know, I've been at what was then Gund Arena and Quicken Loans Arena and now Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse in playoff basketball, and it can take your breath away. You can feel the intensity of it. And so for those young players like Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro and Evan Mobley, who we were talking about, uh, that's going to bring a whole different level of pressure that they haven't felt before. Yeah, last year, the second game against Atlanta was a a loser go home as far as the play-in was concerned. But this best of seven, strategizing and and seeing the same team where you get sick of them game after game. And, you know, those games within the games and the battles just intensify. Uh, These guys haven't experienced that. So Donovan's role, the aforementioned Danny Green, uh, even a guy like Ricky Rubio, who's been through it a couple of times in Utah with Donovan, uh, that veteran leadership is going to be huge because playoff basketball, until you go through it, until you experience it, uh, you don't know what it's like. Uh, I'm grinning because I, I'm thinking of our dear friend, Joe Tate. And uh, I remember yes. when the, when the Cavaliers of Doherty and Nance and hot rod and price got into the playoffs for the first time, uh, I was talking to Joe about it. And he said, Timothy, I think they'll do just fine. Once they get over <laughs> the yips, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but I remember Joe saying that young players, you know, have to go through the yips 
And uh, it's true until you experience it. But that's why home court advantage is huge. Because, Mike, to your point, if the first two had been at Madison Square Garden, you talk about starting your playoff career and your playoff experience somewhere that is just an incredibly difficult place to play in, to begin with. At least this week, the Cavs are home, practicing on their home court and sleeping in their own beds. And Saturday morning, they're going to be nervous, but they're going to get up and go to an arena that they're very familiar with. So home court for this young team was huge. Well, and that's where, uh, you know, uh, guys like Donovan Mitchell and Danny Green, the players, the the the, the shooters can come in. It, it, isn't it, Tim? I mean, th- this is where, you know, game one, you know, if, if Donovan can maybe set a tone or Danny, you know, can, can, can set a tone out there, that might settle these guys down a little bit, no? Absolutely. No, yeah. you're right. Uh, you know, just seeing that ball go through the hoop uh, can elevate a team. We've seen that where you'll suddenly get on a run and you're like, wow, that guy even knocked down a shot. Boy, shooting is contagious. You know, we, we've, we've all used that cliche, but it's true. You know, if you see Donovan just go on a personal eight to nothing run or Danny Green knock down a couple of three balls, all of a sudden that raises everybody's level and, and they feel better about themselves. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse crowd, I mean, it's deafening. Yeah. And, and yeah. if the Cavs get on a roll, uh, that will fuel them as well. Absolutely. No, great point, Chad. Tim, speaking, I'm going to throw it to a totally different thing for a minute. Speaking of a that guy makes a shot type situation, uh, in your four-year broadcasting career with the Cleveland Cavaliers, was there a better moment than when you watched Isaac Okoro drain that three in Brooklyn to win a game <laughs> with 0.7 seconds left? Was that that? Because I think that's one of my favorite Cavaliers moments of all time. I was just so happy for ice. They call him ice yes. um, because he's a terrific young man. He really is. Um, he's very engaging. He, he seems like a quiet guy on the floor and in interviews, but you kind of get him at practice or on the bus or whatever. And he's joking around with the guys and believe me, you know, it, it's no secret. He, he's taken some, some flack for his offensive game and he works at it. He is in the gym constantly. And that corner three ball is something that he practices a lot. So I was just thrilled for him when that ball yeah, went through yeah. and just the smile on his face and the jubilation and then the teammates, you know, just high-fiving him. There was still 0.7 seconds to go. They had to set up for a defensive stop, but they were so happy for Isaac. And, yeah, you know, I mean, the call was the call. I don't, you know, I don't grade my calls. I don't know how the call was, but <laughs> it was an electric moment. It was just a great moment for Isaac Kokoro. So in, in talking, going back to this Knicks cab series, again, we've got a Knicks team that is a deceptively deep team. It's mm-hmm. deceptively deep. They got, I mean, when you look at their roster, it goes pretty darn deep. And we're, uh, we haven't even talked about guys like Isaiah quickly, who has been outstanding for them. Obi Toppins coming off the bench. Uh, you've got a, uh, pretty much like a nine deep, 10 deep, uh, uh, type team with the New York Knicks, with a lot of guys that can play basketball. So just kind of assess this series for the Cavaliers. What, where do you find the Cavaliers have the advantage? Where do you think the Cavaliers really uh, have to kind of hide maybe something the Knicks do better or where they have to address something the Knicks do better? And what do the Cavaliers have to do to be playing in the second round of the NBA playoffs? So, well, actually I'm going to, Go back to your first point first, 
in the sense that yes, the Knicks are deep, but that being said, rotations generally shorten during NBA playoff time. I don't think you're going to see the Knicks go 10 deep um, because generally you don't have, well, you don't. So it's not even generally, you will not have back-to-back games. So the starters minutes will get lengthened out and that means shortening the bench. So yes, New York, just like the Cavs, as I mentioned, they, they may have some guys kind of rotating depend upon, depending upon what Thibs needs. But uh, I, I think their bench might become a little bit shorter during postseason, and their starters' minutes may become elongated, which usually happens in NBA basketball. So getting to your three-part question, to me, uh, the advantage that the Cavs have is they've got the best player every night on the floor in Donovan Mitchell. And come NBA playoff basketball, more often than not, if you have the very best player over a seven-game series, he may not win seven or four. He may not win four for you. But he can single-handedly maybe carry you to one or two. And that's huge. So to me, that's a huge advantage. And, and New York has not figured out a way to stop Donovan Mitchell. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has had four outstanding ball games. One of the 40-point games that he had this year, 13 total, was against New York. He had a 38-point game against them the first time they matched up. And at uh, MSG, he had two games that were in the mid-20s. So, again, they'll adjust and they'll strategize, uh, but they haven't come up with the way to stop Donovan Mitchell. Nobody really has. Uh, I think the Cavs have a better backcourt. So I I think their advantage is in the backcourt. The concern, uh, I think that if Randall is healthy, in which he's going to go now, what his full effectiveness will be remains to be seen, but I don't see how Julius Randall doesn't play. So let's assume that he does. That's one of the few matchups where Allen and Robinson and Mobley and Randall, not that it's even, but the Cavs don't have the decided advantage like they normally have. Uh, that That's a great matchup in the interior. And, so I don't, I don't know if I would say that's the biggest area of concern for the Cavaliers, but normally that's an advantage that they put on the board right away. We've got the advantage with these two guys. And then what do they need to do to move on and, and play in the second round? I said it before. I think NBA playoffs normally are dictated by the defensive end of the floor. And so, uh, you know, to, to use Joe's words again, once they get through the yips and the, and the nerves and the pressure of playoff basketball and they settle in, uh, if they play defense the way they've played it all season long, uh, I think they'll be fine. I think it's going to be a great series. I think it's going to be a battle for however many games it goes. Uh, but I think if the Cavaliers play defense the way they've done it all season long, and with the best player between the two teams on the floor and Donovan Mitchell, I think the Cavs win the series. Yeah. A last thing for me, Tim, because, uh, you know, you mentioned, again, you, you talked about the Yips multiple times now. Have you had a chance to talk to any one of these guys just to see where their heads are at going into this? Or did you, you, you get a sense of, of, of where they're at going into this series? Well, the young guys are really jacked up. They're excited. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that, you know, Darius and I came in the same year. So, uh, you know, DG, he talked earlier this year that he's jonesing. <laughs> he's jonesing to get into the NBA playoffs, and he is, and he's excited about it. Uh, but I also think, as I mentioned earlier, they're they're not just, you know, satisfied to be here. They, they want to show the NBA 
this is no fluke. We're doing this the right way. And we've got the ingredients uh, to make a push in the NBA playoffs. And so uh, I think the attitude is we're excited to be here, uh, but we're not just happy to be here. Uh, we want to show what we can do. I want to talk for one second before we let you go, Tim, about uh, uh, a guy named John Blair Bickerstaff. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a guy that has been the head coach of a playoff team before, uh, as he took over as an interim coach when Kevin McHale was fired in Houston. Uh, right. And he was with the Rockets when they, I think they lost in the first round that season. Uh, but that's his only playoff experience. He has his tenure in Memphis and his tenure in Cleveland. He has not made the N uh, NBA playoffs. So, you know, we're talking a lot about these guys and we're talking about Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and, and, and the rotation and all that. But what is it about J.B. Bickerstaff? You're around this team all the time. You are around the coaching staff. You know how these guys operate. What is it about J.B. Bickerstaff that you think suits him to take this team into the NBA playoffs and, and help them win games in the playoffs. What is it about him that gives you confidence? Well, it's interesting. You said before we let you go, because I could talk for a half hour about JB Bickerstaff. Well, I, you know what? I'm going to hang up and listen. I'm going to hang up and listen. <laughs> no, I'm a huge JB Bickerstaff fan. Um, obviously uh, he's been around the NBA game his entire life. Uh, with his dad, Bernie Bickerstaff. Uh, JB in the press conference the other day talked about being a ball boy uh, for the Seattle Supersonics when his dad was head coach at Seattle with those Dale Ellis teams and so forth. So one thing that I really admire about JB, he never gets too high after a win. He never gets too low off after a loss. <laughs> he gets angry after a loss at some of the calls that were made, but he never he never throws his guys under the bus. He never blames it on the players. Um and they would run through a wall for him. Uh, he has their back. So he's been around playoff teams. He was an assistant coach with Minnesota uh, with those Kevin Garnett teams that made it to the Western Conference Finals. He was Flip Saunders' uh, top assistant on that team. And then, Mike, as you mentioned, uh, down in Houston when he succeeded Kevin McHale. So he knows what playoff basketball is all about. And he really has his finger on the pulse of this team. And I, I think they're going. I, I think JB has done a remarkable job, and I have to credit not only him, uh, but the front office and Kobe Altman and and our general manager Mike Ganzi uh, for letting this process just play itself out and not getting impatient, and then knowing when to strike and taking a risk uh, with the Donovan Mitchell deal. Um, I think it's just played out beautifully. This team has been built organically. And yeah, there's been some bumps in the road. I mentioned 19 to 22, but then 44. And now this year, 51, you can see it coming together. They're still the second youngest starting five in the NBA. So they've got a long runway, man. They've got a high ceiling. So this is just the start of something special. Uh, these guys are locked up contract wise for a while. Uh, it's a great group of guys, high character guys, which is something that JB uh, absolutely demands uh, you don't read about them in the paper. You don't hear about bad crap on the sports talk shows. Uh, they're good people. They're good character people. And, and again, I think a lot of that goes back to JB and the culture that the Cavaliers have established. I mean, by the way, when he shaved his beard mid season, my wife looked at me and went, did we get a new coach? Uh, did we, <laughs> is, is he, <laughs> yeah. who is that? That was, 
That was right after the All-Star break. I saw him at practice. I said, are you new to the team? Of course, I got He was like, excuse me, sir. I'm trying to go talk to the coach. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it was kind of shocking. It didn't take long for JB to grow that back. I'll tell you yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, 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 and that's just awesome to think about, though, Tim, is just, you know, this team is in the four seed this year and, and, and 51 wins. And, you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the, a, a lot of the expectation on them, a lot of the, I don't know if it's expectation, but a lot of the talk about them is they're not a, they're not a championship contender yet, which you know what is, is honestly fine with me because when this team reaches its full potential, it's just going to be amazing. It really is. Oh, I totally agree with you, Chad. I listen, I, I don't know if they're going to win the NBA championship this year. I mean, there's some real rugged teams in the East you know, Boston's the defending Eastern Conference champ. Milwaukee won it uh, two years ago. They've got probably the best player in the NBA and Giannis. Uh, Philly's going to give everybody some big-time headaches with Embiid and Harden and Maxi. So, listen, they're on the right path, and they've made huge strides this year. And, and no matter how this series plays out, uh, you, you, can't, you can't diminish that. This, this team has had a remarkable campaign. Uh, Tim, lastly, you know, you just you just kind of alluded to it, but uh, you kind of look around. It looks like Atlanta's getting past the heat, so Atlanta's going to take on Boston in the first mm-hmm. round. The uh, uh, Milwaukee's going to wait. Uh, they're either going to play the Heat or uh, the Bulls or the Raptors in the first round. But you got Philly, uh, who the Cavs have had some wild games with the Sixers this year, yeah. uh, taking on Brooklyn. Uh, you've got, uh, like I said, Boston. You got Milwaukee. You go to the other side and you got a team like Denver that has just been awesome all season. You've got poor Sacramento. Uh, I feel so bad for them because they get Mike Brown and his squad is like fine. They have a great season. Like that Sacramento team was fantastic this season. They're and they fun. put together an awesome roster. And what's your consolation? You're a three seed. And who do you get? The Golden State Warriors. Who doesn't, they don't even seem to try until this time of the year. Like right. that's Golden State. The defending champion and if you think Golden State's going to come into the playoffs and play like a six seed, you're out of your mind. And so good luck to you, Sacramento. Uh, but, you know, you look at all these teams, just like just give us maybe one or two of your favorite storylines from elsewhere in the NBA uh, in, in this postseason. Well, first of all, uh, going to the East, I was really surprised by tonight. Uh, boy, it looked like Miami wasn't even competing in that game. Uh, and of course, yeah. uh, news broke today about Trey Young and Atlanta might be open to trading him. And and yet they came out and just from what I saw, I don't have a TV where we are right now, but uh, they were playing some great basketball. Yeah, so, 116 uh, to 103 with 30 seconds left. So that game's over. Yeah. So it's going to be Atlanta uh, taking on uh, Boston, as you said. So, I mean, Boston's going to be the heavy favorite in that game, but uh, Atlanta's got some young talent and I've always been a Quinn Snyder fan. So uh, you know, they'll give Boston some problems, but I think the Celtics win that series. Uh, I think Milwaukee blows out uh, whoever it's going to be, either one of those three teams. Uh, and, you know, hopefully the Cavs then take on Milwaukee. Brooklyn-Philly is really intriguing to me, but the only thing is Brooklyn just doesn't have a big guy now to match up with Embiid. I mean, they got all the wings. I I don't think those trades for Kyrie and Durant were horrible for Brooklyn. They got some talented young guys. I love Mikel Bridges. Uh, he's a terrific player. But this show isn't about the Brooklyn Nets. But I think Philly wins that series. 
Um, but I, you know, everybody was like, Oh, you know, you had to trade Durant, you had to trade Irving. I think they got a nice return. They still got to add a couple of pieces to that, but without the the big man to really match up with Embiid, uh, I think Philly moves on from that series. And I think you will have the top four seeds, uh, all advance. And then, you know, on the next time you have me on before the Milwaukee series, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the final four in the East and out West, uh, Boy, is this Denver's year? You know, that that's interesting. Uh, as you said, Golden State always knows when to turn it on. Um, I think the West is fascinating. And, and Phoenix with Durant, boy, if he's at the top of his game with Booker and that crew, <laughs> the West is going to be a dogfight. I love it. Well, listen, playoff basketball is here. It starts, again, postseason basketball starts tonight. Uh, the Cavaliers... Saturday, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. It is going to be electric down there. And again, we, you know, I, I think some people maybe get tired of hearing about LeBron James, which, uh, listen, the guy, the guy did more for winning in Cleveland than any basketball player in the history of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So you may be tired of hearing about him. But the fact that this is the first playoff appearance without him since Sean Kemp played for the Cavaliers is a massive, massive, massive deal in Cleveland. The place is going to be rocking. Like, I mean, you've got to be so excited to be calling playoff basketball down there at, at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. I am. I, I'm. I'm excited about it. I, I'm honored to call it. Uh, I was. I was thinking Sunday as we were calling that last regular season game. You know about sitting in the in the Joe Tate perch, uh, calling playoff basketball and. So it'll be a lot of fun. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I don't think I'll change anything, <laughs> but uh, I know the level of intensity will certainly pick up down on that floor. No doubt. Well, tune in Cavs radio network, Tim Alcorn, uh, his boy, Jim Jones. Uh, you guys will be on the call for the playoff matchups. Uh, but Tim, man, thank you so much for coming on. Just kind of recapping the season with us, talking a little bit about this matchup. And uh, again, uh, to quote the great movie Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts because this one seems like it's going to be a wild matchup between the Cavaliers and the Knicks, and we look forward to listening to your call on it. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Tim. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Uh, you know that you're both great friends of mine. I'm so proud of you for what you've done with the Garage Beers thing, and uh, really, I am. It's phenomenal, the success that you've had with it, so Keep up the great work, and uh, let's do this again uh, when we talk about the second round. Let's yeah, do absolutely. it. We love it. Uh, let's go. All right, Tim. We'll catch you Thanks, later. Guys. Thank you again. Thanks, All right, buddy. All right. Yeah. Tim Alcorn, the radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and just one of our good buddies, man. Like, you'll never meet a nicer guy than Tim Alcorn. That uh, I remember Tim Alcorn coming to my driveway to pick up radio equipment for a WEOL football game. Uh and just being willing to just drive to my house, which was like 40 minutes away from his house to just grab it. Just one of the nicest guys on the planet and nobody better to have gotten that Cavs job than Tim Alcorn when it came up. So yeah. get onto the radio network and listen to Tim Alcorn, but huge thank you to him. Go follow him online at Cavs Alcorn. Uh, and, and guys, that's it, man. Like I just, I can't, I can't be more excited for this. I can't. I couldn't be more excited. And before, we got Cavs playoff basketball. And before you know it, we're going to be back at Knights of Columbus Field to call Illyria and Illyria Catholic. <sighs> and, <laughs> <laughs> the marquee matchup. The marquee matchup. Which, why? By the way, they got what an amazing coaching staff they put together. Anyway, yeah. I mean, uh, Troy Smith. Troy Smith is Troy coaching Smith Illyria is Catholic. Coaching Illyria Catholic. Yeah. 
Troy Smith. And, he's and, not even the head coach. No. No, he's not. Troy Smith and I think Dang. Ted Ginn is going to help out. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm excited, dude. I mean, it's 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 a Cleveland sports team in a play in in the playoffs. Yeah, of course I'm excited. So, yeah, uh, this this next se- uh, series is a very winnable series. Um, yeah, I, it's it's I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be back and forth like these last couple of games uh, that they played in the regular season, but the intensity is just going to be higher. So, yeah, I'm excited for this series, dude. Listen, the Knicks are a bucket like that. You know, I think the easiest way uh, to describe the Knicks, the Knicks are a bucket, man. They, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle and, and and Emmanuel Quickly, and those guys get the ball in the hoop. The Cavaliers, Tim talked about it. He talked a lot about defense for the Cavaliers. They have got to be on their defensive game for this series against the Knicks because if they are not, you saw it in the last game. The last game the Cavs played the Knicks, the Knicks just, they you, they couldn't stop them from putting the ball in the hoop. So Cavs have got to be on their defensive game. The Knicks are going to bring it, but you also you feel like, you feel like the Cavs are going to be able to make a statement at home. If the Cavs can really make a statement at home and win these two first games at home, uh, well, you know, I think we'll all be a lot more excited, maybe to be able to take a little breath. So again, that happens on Saturday Cavaliers and Knicks at Rocket Morgan Fieldhouse. Uh, now we're going to get off the Cavs. We're going to just kind of wing it for the rest of the show, but we're going to send it to our next favorite uh, segment of the week, which is our Asshole of the Week segment. Again, if you're just joining us, if you've not listened to the show before, like, uh, who was it before? Andrew. First time watching the show. And listen, we love you, Andrew. And thank you for watching the show. We hope you're enjoying it. Didn't mean to call you out but we drink beers on the Garage Beers podcast. Asshole of the Week is just somebody this week that deserves to be called out for being an asshole. So we've, even, we've even been drunk on this show before. That's how many beers we've drank. We've, we've been drunk. It's been a, yeah. a many, uh, times, a, many, many times on the show. I, I've got two. My first one is the guy who has to blast his system while he's getting gas. Like, oh, dude. Like, And, and then he like leans... And then he like leans uh, on the on the hood like he's uh, on the front of a like a T bird like Billy Madison when he initially starts going to school, like oh sweet dude it's yes. awesome you're you're ninety two cutlass with what sounds like the suspension's gonna fall off because you have a five hundred dollars subwoofer which is more than your car, like like just blasting you, you just you gotta let everybody know you gotta let everybody know that you're that you're listening to music. Uh, and guess I mean I know this is like a get off my lawn thing but like my God dude yes. why why. Like why? Wow. We've all we've all heard "Renegade" by Sticks enough. <laughs> yeah, and, and then my other one is Guardians Twitter with the overreactions. I I can't take it. I I cannot take it. That's that's my other one. Just I just guys relax. Like we're in mile one of like a five hundred and thirty five mile race. Take it easy, okay, guys. Well, let's let's slumps. pause. Let's pause on that for a minute. Huh? Let's pause on that for a minute because I think there are a couple overreaction things going on with the Guardians. Yeah, there is. There is. There's plenty. Wait, with plenty. What would you say? That, what was this one? Was it Guardians overreaction? Yeah, Guardian. The Guardians that overreaction. Was, that was also my asshole of the week as well. Oh, there we go. Nice. Yeah. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Well, let's pause on your guys' assholes. <laughs> gotcha. Let's pause on that. No, please don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, oh. uh, so overreactions, like for example, tonight. Tonight, Pat Shea, the rare double asshole night. <laughs> it's happened before. I know people were freaking out tonight because the Yankees destroyed the Guardians tonight. What, 11 to 2? Yeah. It happens. 
It happens. Yep. But for me, it's been two things. One, people screaming about Mike Zanino. Mike Zanino, look, look he, what's, what's Mike Zanino hitting at this point? Like 350 on the season? He's like 315. Uh, yeah. He's not as good of a defensive catcher as Austin Hedges as far as like blocking balls behind the plate. That's my only gripe about him. He's and, not as good, but he, but we knew that going in. I don't know why we're complaining about it. Here's the thing, though. Mike Zanino is a is a fine defensive catcher. He is. He has been his whole career. He is a fine defensive catcher. Austin Hedges was elite behind the plate. Elite. We knew Mike Zanino wasn't going to be that. Why are we having trouble with this? We're having trouble. I think the thing I'm having trouble with is I feel like blocking balls in the dirt is kind of a basic skill that every Major League Baseball catcher should have. So that's why. That, that that's why I have a problem with that, but that's the only thing I have a problem with. I, I mean, it, it, everything else, I, I don't, I don't understand any of the overreactions at all. That's but it. But Chad, we're also in mile one, and we're talking about a guy catching a new group of pitchers that he hasn't caught before, so and also just, hasn't played in over a year too. Yeah, and he's coming <laughs> off the injury. <clears throat> that's well, and that's why I think that's why I'm saying a basic skill that every because it's a basic skill that every major league baseball catcher should have. That's why, I, that's why I have a problem with it. It's not, it, it's, um, it's, yeah. You I, can, I, don't, you I don't think you're giving him, I, I don't think you're giving him credit for like, again, sitting out of here. And I know you're saying it's basic, but communicating with your pitchers and then just kind of learning the way that every pitcher's pitch moves differently. So learning the way your pitchers throw the ball and how they release it and where their angles come from and how their balls bounce and all that takes a minute. It takes a minute to get used to. So again, I'm just going back to what but he you hasn't said before. But he, but he has it's mile one. But, it's mile one. Sure, but, but he hasn't been good at that his entire career, Mike. He hasn't been good at that his, oh, his, his entire career. I disagree. He ain't Mike, at mile one in his career, that's for sure. Yeah, Mike. He, yeah. No, no, he's not. Mike, Mike, because I the only reason I know, the only reason I know this is because I had this argument with the guy last night that I was working with. And we looked up, we looked up oh, his well, defense. You're the expert. We looked up his defensive stats. That's the, that's, that's Ted, why I, I know this. that I worked with about it. No, we looked up his defensive stats, and that's why he hasn't been good at this his entire career. So uh, this is a basic skill that every catcher should have. That's it. Other than that, fuck everybody else's overreactions. Okay, mile one. <laughs> the other one. What's the other one? Everybody's freaking out about Josh Bell. Josh Bell. Yeah. Josh Bell's hitting like point seven, point oh seven. He's hitting point seventy four on the season. Yeah. Look at listen. Why do we have to talk about this? Look at Josh Bell's career. Has Josh Bell ever in his entire career hit like 100 for the season? No. And he's not going to this year. There's going to be a phase where Josh Bell goes white hot, and you guys are all going to be like, what? Yeah, Whoa. you're all, you're all going to look like We overreacted to this dude. Yeah. He, like- and, and he hasn't looked good to start the year, but it's just, I don't know, new setting, new thing. It's just taking him a minute to get going. Slumps, I, slumps, slow starts happen all the time. Yes. All the time. He's going to come out of it. <laughs> I'm more concerned about Ahmed Rosario than I am Josh Bell. I'm not concerned about him either. Absolutely. He's been he's been great in zero phases of the game to start the year off. He's been fine defensively. Uh, he's, not I, been. he's been fine. He's been fine. I, I think he already has two errors well, out of the year. Okay. It, it happens. Well, his one error was an over. It just, it is what it is. 
Uh, I again, I'm here's why I'm not concerned about either one of them because they're both slumping for the same reason. Both Josh Bell and Ahmed Rosario are both slumping for the same exact reason. They're just they're way over aggressive right now. Those two dudes are swinging at everything. Josh Bell is swinging at every and and frankly uh, he might be leading the team in walks, but he's still swinging at everything. He's, in, he's Ahmed, at the top of the league in walks. Ahmed Rosario is just flailing away at everything. That is going to come back. They're going to reel that in. Um, we've seen it with him before. We have seen it with him before. And when Ahmed starts seeing the ball well, it, it's been a couple years of him showing you that when he sees the ball well, he's a really good hitter. And he was a really good fielder last year, and he's going to get back to that. I just We shouldn't be making, just like I would say, we shouldn't be making, like, if the Guardians had a dude right now that was hitting like 600, I'd sit here and say, uh, he's probably not going to do that all year. Like, we're probably not going to finish at 600 for the year. It's the same thing with these guys. Like, just, you got to get this year going a little bit and understand that one week into the season does not mean this is how the season's going to go. Josh Bell's swing looks fucking weird to me, by the way, though. It looks like it's all arms. Like, like, it looks like he he has no twist in his hips at all. Like, it's just, he's just flailing. He's like, it's weird, but he's going to come around. He's not seeing the ball. He's not seeing the ball. well. He looks like he's confused on every single pitch. Yeah. He's not seeing it well right now. Is what it is. I don't know. Brian Reynolds is going to finish over 400. That's cool. Oh, sure. He is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the, the Tampa Bay Rays aren't going to lose a game this year. (laughs) (laughs) What are we talking about? (laughs) What are we talking about? Just. Don't overreact. The Guardians have had a brutal like schedule to start this season. I mean, to start with seven games against the Mariners and now this Yankee series, I mean, yeah, you had that little reprieve in Oakland, which was nice. That's a tough-ass start to the schedule. Going out West Coast, coming back to play the Mariners, that's a tough start to the schedule. The Guardians, I think, are, are perfectly fine. And I think there are things about the guardians that are just going to get better and better over time. So I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the way they've started. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, me too. Yeah. It's just, it's just grind it out. I mean, that's what this team is. They're going to grind it out. They're going to come back in a lot of games. That's all it is. Grinder. Yeah. Uh, My asshole of the week are the, uh, and this is for a lot of reasons, but if you're somebody on Twitter that like, is just, it's a nameless, faceless Twitter person. You're kind of an asshole. You're kind of, you're the, the nameless and the faceless of Twitter are the assholes to me. The people that go on and are too scared to put their picture and their real name on Twitter. That are too afraid that, and it's, and it's a shame thing. They don't put their real name on Twitter because of the way they act on Twitter. And they don't want, they don't want their mom to see it. Cause it's usually kids that don't want their mom to see how they act or they don't want to see, they don't want their wives to see how they act. The nameless faceless Twitter trolls, the uh, Deshaun Watson season on Twitter, the uh, uh, I don't know, Cleveland Browns season on Twitter that they use troll pictures and no names and all that to just kind of like harass people on Twitter and talk shit to reporters and athletes and anybody they feel like saying shit to. Uh, Twitter tough guys. 
Twitter, anonymous Twitter tough guys. You are an asshole. And you're a coward. Like anybody that does that, it's just, it's cowardly behavior. And I don't love it. All right. And it's, it's happened a lot over the last like two weeks. Boom. Not that it doesn't happen all the time. Boom. Not that it doesn't happen all the time. Hey, angry, but it's happened a lot over the last two angry, weeks. Angry, Mike, annoying. tonight. It's annoying. It's angry. You're, 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 you're too much of a bitch. Oh, that's mean. God. To put your own self out there. Don't stoop through their level. I'm not stooping. I listen. Here I am. I'm Michael Keefe. You know where to find me. I don't. There's no like. There's no cowardice to this. If I have something to say, I say it as myself. But that bitch level, like I'm gonna talk shit to somebody online, but they're not. They don't know who I am. I say it as GBM. Oh. <laughs> I say it as GBM. Okay. So here I am. Garage, garage I'm, all, I'm old Come. GBM. I'm GBM. waiting. How about that? GBM. <laughs> Such an asshole. You're so stupid. <laughs> all right, boys. We got like 20 minutes left in the show. Uh, so let's just kind of open it up for a free for all. Yeah, sure. What else do we want to talk about? Today? How about that Masters, huh? Oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, crazy. Crazy. Man. It was crazy. Yeah, I got one of my cheers of the week coming up, but my God. I mean, I didn't get a chance to go, but I mean, that would have been, I mean, but that I was supposed to go, didn't get a chance to go. That's that's a different story. Would have been my third time going. But man, if you ever get a chance to go down there, everybody just go. Just go. You deserve just the experience go. once. Just leave your phones in a lot. the Masters three okay. times? Well, twice. Uh, twice. Because I worked. Oh, this would have been the third. I worked it twice. This would have been. Oh, third. okay. Mm. Nice. That's wild. Yeah, crazy man. Leave your phones in there. They don't start <clears throat> selling beer till noon. You can't get it before noon. Yeah, I don't want to. You're, get you're not allowed to run on the course if you walk. Like you're only allowed to walk. Some of the strange mm. like master. A lot of rules. Yeah. <clears throat> Why is that a strange rule? Who's out there running? Well, I mean, if you want to run to a yeah, hole, you, to, you hear someone's yeah. on the 18th or something. Yeah. I you never ran to a hole before. I am well, an, no. I'm a goddamn adult. I don't want you're, to be running. To you're, you're also not yeah. physically fit. So uh, that's why you're walking. <laughs> Come on, you and I, Chad. Let's go. Let's go for a run, Chad. Yeah. Chad, Chad's, big, Chad's the face big to save on Twitter. I will, fu- <laughs> I will fucking you big, dust you nearest. I will fucking you, dust you nearest. You and your big dumb head, you will go off balance, and you will fall within three seconds of our steps. No, not unless you push me. Lawn. I'm not Humpty Dumpty did not, uh, <laughs> is not going to fall unless you push me. Yeah, well, you're getting pushed. I don't know who's who's running. We're not running. That's not a weird rule. It, what? What is wrong with you? You know the team shop does a million rule. dollars an hour. By the way, yeah, a million. Wow. Well, they also probably an hour. one t-shirt is probably ninety-seven dollars. Yes, that is it is. <laughs> but they sit there and they ship it for you. Like you go in and buy it. You like, all oh, right, here's uh, two hats, three shirts, and a parka. And like they come, they you, like you pay for it. Everything's with card. Like this thing is a machine, dude. Like they should take over every organization oh, ever. You in the don't country. even. You don't even take it home. It's just like you don't even take it home. Like here's my yeah. here's my stuff. They wrap it. They ship it for you. You also have to put your your own house down as collateral until your payment clears. Yeah, and your firstborn. <laughs> but that's fine. I will get rid of my firstborn. That's fine. Bye. Oh, bye, Hazel. I know. I'm just Hazel. kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't I get rid of her. That's not true. I, w- I would not. I, I would. No. I would listen. The Masters was fun. It was. Um, <laughs> It was a wild weekend, right? You 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 had uh, a, a wild start to the weekend. You had Brooks Kepka just oh new asshole. Sorry, I had a new one. Oh, go on. 
Tiger. Just spr- sprouted a new asshole. Good yeah, luck. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods is the asshole. Oh, the week yes. Me. We talked okay. about this, Joey. We, we talked, talked about, about this opening day. I, I have a theory on Tiger Woods, and he does Are not you want to steal the my theory. This is my theory. Mm. Let's a hear it. Beers, a lot of beers were had at opening Let's day. hear it because I had a whole thing day. on Tiger Woods. Yeah, you are not can... about to steal this from me. I okay, you can go. Have your no, mind. you go. Go on. Have your shine. It's not going to be as I'm, I don't have the sources probably as you do. Uh, but <laughs> uh, every time Tiger Woods has something not go his way, he fakes an injury. This I said this to you guys on opening. You drunk bastard. Huh? I have a theory. You drunk ass. What? Okay. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Listen, this is what Tiger Woods does. This, uh, unfortunately, I, well, I call it the incident. The incident when his former wife chucked a nine iron through his window. Ever since that happened. Ever since that happened. Right? Because he's never been the same Tiger since. Ever since that happened. Tiger, when he's playing well, everything's great. Everything smiles and happy and everything's fun and yay i'm tiger woods and then the minute he shoots like two over par on around oh oh i'm limping oh all of a sudden all of a sudden tiger's limping out around the field all of a sudden tigers tiger can't make it up to the ninth green because he's limping tiger is constant like this masters this masters was playing okay he made the cut that's respectable for where he's at in his career and then all of a sudden He's not playing so well. I got to withdraw. Listen, listen, if there's one thing the Masters doesn't provide, it's hookers. If he had hookers, he would, he might have, he he, might have finished top 10. Okay. He might have been at least in the conversation, but Masters are, well, at least they they don't provide hookers that, you know, they talk about. (laughs) Okay. All right. They definitely, they definitely, if there's one tournament that provides hookers, it's the Masters. (laughs) I mean, there's a few things that the Masters, the tournament won't talk about. Hookers is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's super. That, uh, Joe, thank you for stealing my theory, but I'm going to take it. Uh, that is super obnoxious about Tiger Woods. When, Whenever it's not going well, he's hurt. Every time. <laughs> Dan Wise wants to know if they have a Waffle House nearby. Chad, you've been there a couple times. Waffle by close to the uh, to Augusta? I mean, it's not close to the golf club, but, I, I mean, it's like it's it's they have one in Augusta, like nearby Augusta. For sure. Before you get on the highway to head yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh, okay, that would be great. Wall. That'd be I a great one for your house right now. That'd be a great one for the master's dinner. Yeah. Just get like some waffle, waffle house? house and some bojangles, and then you'd yeah. have to fight. And then you'd have to fight like everybody fights in Waffle House. So everybody just has to have a just a, just an all out brawl and just destroy the master's ballroom. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and it's served at three a.m. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the. Uh, the like uh live tour guys versus PGA guys was way overblown. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't I, I think that was I, I think that is that's such a media construct. Yeah. Like I don't think the PGA tour guys like <laughs> hate the live tour guys. I think no. they're just like, oh yeah, you went and did that. Cool. And to me, I, I t- like I totally forgot about some of these guys wearing the live. So like for as far as I'm concerned, Brooks kept because I might as well still be in the PGA. <laughs> uh what that's does fair. what does does golf make tournaments more interesting down the stretch? Wait, say that again. What does golf have to do to make tournaments more interesting down the stretch? Because for the last, I mean, it was 
it was John Rom. Rom. Ram. Yeah. Rom. Yeah. Ram. Rom. 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 Johnny Johnny Ram. Brooke shot Home a Brooke shot a seventy five yeah. on Sunday. Well, and nobody just, was close. Nobody was close. But yeah, Brooks lost it. it I, I, like I thought it was interesting down the stretch, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing: you've got a couple of those guys. John Rom's one. Scotty Scheffler's one. You got a couple of those guys that if you give them the lead, you're going to have to play out outside of your mind to take it from them. Like John Rom is just gonna par his way to a win, right? Like he just is gonna hit like take a look at what he did on 18. And, and again, it was already done. It was already over. But look what that dude did on 18. John Rom hit a Michael Keefe drive on 18. He didn't even hit the goddamn fairway. Yeah. On 18, he hit a tree branch and wound up short of the fairway, <laughs> right? Short of the fairway. His second shot, he had to hit like a low stinging slice, basically, to get it into a position where he could have a decent shot into the green. And you know what he did? He just chipped it like four feet from the hole and putted for par. No yeah. problem. <clears throat> like, uh, it's tough because somebody was going to have to just go outside of their mind. Yeah. But with these guys that are the best in golf right now, I mean, it's, 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 it's like as, as good as it's ever been. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. like Brown's Bandito here says, if you want to make it more interesting, do a beer per hole. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be shot. awesome. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys want to? All right, John, John Rom's got to put his pants back on so he can play the 18th. <laughs> be awesome. He's just pissing it off in the woods because he has to come back. Like, hold on, guys. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, I, did you guys watch that full swing documentary, by the way? Speaking of golfers, I, st I still haven't. No. I'm going to. I'll watch it. Guys, I'm going to watch it this week. I am convinced. Like, you know how you like, you watch like a big time basketball, like, you know, two down bottom of the ninth, you know, uh, uh, down one or something, you know, you put yourself in those like situations in your mind. I, I've never done that with golf before. And I did that like with this full swing documentary. And I, I, I honestly, I, I think there's an argument to be made that uh, from an individual standpoint, that there's no bigger pressure situation in sports than going into the final round of a golf tournament with a lead. I mean, it, it, I, I just, you know, you know, obviously there's pressure on like LeBron James to do well, or guys, you know, the superstars and all those other sports to do well, but ultimately they, they also have to rely on their other teammates doing their roles, but in golf, it's all eyes on you. Like one or two bad shots could lose you a golf tournament. Like it's, it is, it is, it is intense, dude. And you have to be yeah. mentally locked in for yourself for four hours, four and a half hours, think, five hours, however long also, it takes you to golf those 18 holes. Yeah, it's the length of it, too. Like, it's, yeah. it's all day, all on you. And that no other sport has anything close to that. No. I, I was going to say the length is what differentiates it, right? Like, you could be talking basketball and right. Like, you could be talking game seven of the NBA finals and you have two free throws with one second left. Yeah. In a tie game. Uh, yeah, well, that pressure is uh, immense. Or you could be talking about game seven of the world series and you're the closing pitcher and your team has a one run lead and you're coming in to try to close it yeah. immense pressure. But yeah, like, no, I, I don't, I don't think there's an argument to be made that coming in with a, especially like a slim lead yeah. on the last, you know, the last round of a major uh, is wild. That's yeah. a, that's a wild place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. But 
Listen, I thought the Masters was fun. I thought, you know, John Rahm, the run he went on was that was just uh, so fun to watch. I, I mean, he just played immaculate golf, immaculate golf from John Rahm. Even when he made mistakes, he cleaned them up. So, like that one, uh, I don't remember, the back, the back nine, maybe 15, 16, where he was off on the right in the woods behind a tree. Yeah. And he just slapped a little slicing shot and landed it like eight yards or eight feet away from the pin. Like I, that's what I love about golf is when a guy's going right, you saw it with tiger so many times, how many times would tiger find himself in the woods and then just hit this. Yeah. See what the, you did there. The tiger in the woods oh, <laughs> bubble. Watson. I'll never forget the bubble nice. Watson shot <clears throat> where it was just, he had no chance of making a good shot. And he wound up like just feet from the hole. Uh, when a guy is going right, a professional golfer, they can just get into any situation and get themselves out of it with an amazing shot. Uh, it's, yeah. and that is fun to watch. Yeah. But I, I thought it was fun, Joe. I thought the, I thought it was fun. I, I I know Rom locked it up, but I think there were a lot of other uh, storylines that were fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I maybe it's just me, like personal preference of like the individual sport, but like it just I feel like. You know, whenever you get those top leaders kind of locked up, or you know, you have one guy that's that's pulling away, I, it's just less interesting for me. That's fair. That's fair. All right, boys. Is there anything else just glaring that you guys wanted to talk about tonight before we get out of here? Way to go, Blackhawks! <laughs> Way to go, Blackhawks for, for winning. Yeah, for winning. Because uh, the Jackets got a point tonight in overtime, uh, but because the Hawks beat the Pens. Tonight, it kept the Jackets in 32nd. In 32nd nice. place. So, way to go, Hawks, baby. Nice. Yeah, yeah. This season sucked. Yeah, big time. <laughs> it sucked. But, I, but, but, I, I hate, I hate rooting for a team that's tanking for a pick. Yeah. Like, there, there's nothing. I know, I know what, uh, I know what they're doing. Right. Right. I know why they want to do it. It all makes sense, but there's nothing respectable about losing to teams eight to one. No, no, it's not respectable. Nope. It's pathetic. Nope. And I love the Blue Jackets. I love the organization. I love the people that we've gotten to know there. I, I, I it's pathetic. Yeah, you were losing games. Tanking or no tanking, tanking or no tanking, <clears throat> eight to fucking one, yeah. five to nothing, eight to one, six to one. Seven to two. It's not, you're not playing hockey at this point. Right. It's pathetic. Right. It's pathetic. And frankly, I now don't give a shit if they get the number one pick. I hate what that does to the core of an organization. Right. I don't think teams can just come out of tanking and just be great teams. Right. right. I don't think you can just come out of being a team that's losing every goddamn game eight to one. Right. And just, oh, we, well, we got Bedard, so now we're good. Right, right. That's not how that works. Oh, I, I hated this. I, I know I know. when you get out and you talk to Blue Jackets fans, they're like, this is what we want. We want to lose all these games. Oh, yeah, we're losing. Not like this. There's, right. There's no fight. There's, not, there's nothing positive. Yeah. There's nothing positive. Yeah. About the blue jackets, I think nothing. I think they're cheering to keep from crying. <laughs> no, there's nothing like if your team just kind of stinks, but they're out there trying hard. That's different. 
I don't have I don't have one positive. This la- this back half of this Blue Jacket season, pathetic is the only word to describe it. Pathetic. Yeah. Nope. It drives me crazy. It's I I I'm worked up just thinking. About I agree. It. I agree. That's that's I I totally agree. I don't have anything to add to that. I I don't I don't enjoy it. I've said it all year on the on the recaps that I have been able to do. Uh, yeah. I I just it's it's amazing to me. I don't think the players have that mindset, but it's like at some point I think they just went yeah. Like I feel like our season needs to be over. So. Yep. That sucks. That sucks. Yeah. All right. Last question before we get to our three cheers of the week. This one comes from Sean. Uh, guys, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, the Braves uh, uh, pitcher? How do you say his last name? Is it Ludigi? Ludigi. 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 I don't know. I don't know how to say his name. Yeah. But I loved seeing this on Twitter. Right. Uh, he's got a, a combo pitch that he calls the, <laughs> the slutter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they put it up on the scoreboard they yeah. were, it was like fastball slutter fastball slutter, slutter. <laughs> yeah. uh thoughts on thoughts on the slutter boys yeah the pitch goes down on you <laughs> oh, no, no. yeah 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 with little to no effort it can't be that much different right it's just it's so easy to hit uh <laughs> <laughs> That pitch is going to cost a lot of guys a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure is. Yeah, the lineup definitely bats around. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> With that pitch. Every once in a while, though, you get a guy that gets good wood on it. <laughs> good wood. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I, I don't really, I can't, I don't really. No, I don't want you to analyze it. I don't, just, I don't need you, to analyze it. We just need to do puns. We just need to do sexual puns. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you gotta, the catcher's got to catch a, a bad one here or there. Just oh, mm. God. take one for the team. Good question, Sean. I'd hate to be the catcher for that one. Oh, no. The slutter? Look out. <laughs> yeah. Look out. <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, Ludigi is apparently one of those pitchers that's got to come off and get his hands checked for sticky stuff. After My God. Oh, All right. <laughs> I loved it. I There was somebody posted a picture of the Braves scoreboard, and it was just slutter, slutter, slutter. <laughs> I... He says he thinks it's maybe like a sinking cutter, but like slutter sounds like slider cutter, yeah, which are slider two similar. Yeah. But a slider and a cutter are two similar pitches, anyways. But I don't mm. know. But my new favorite pitch for sure. The slutter. The slutter. Without question. All right, boys. This has been a great time. Let's get out of here with our last segment of the week. It's our three cheers of the week where we want to call out somebody, a group of people, whatever, that just deserve to be praised. And so, uh, guys, take it. Whoever wants to take the first one. Mm. I'm going to cheers the lady that survived the tree fall at the Masters. Way to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was God. nuts. Jesus. Good for her. Jesus. Way, way to Jesus. go. Man. Good team. Like, the, 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 the trees just split her. Like, she just froze. And then, I mean, and just boom, boom. Like, oh, my God. Imagine if you got killed by a falling tree. Like if you were able to, like if you were able to, like talk to God when you got up there. You're like, this is the fucking plan you had for me. What? What is on, this? on national TV? Like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Would Jim the fuck Nance give, 
Jim Nance giving the play-by-play your death. I'm sorry, an oak? I went out by an oak? What the fuck? Jim Nance doing the play-by-play of your death. Like, everybody had to be all quiet. And here comes an oak tree. It falls on a young lady. I hope she's okay. Uh, let's go to the 12th in Kepka for birdie. I just want to thank you all for being my friends. just want to thank you for being my friends. All right, cheers to that lady that survived uh, a, a, a timbering oak tree. Yeah. Or whatever the hell it was to not, not die at Augusta. That would have been that would have been tough. Middle tree though. Uh Joe, what about you? Cheer of the week. Uh cheers to the best damn tradition in the world, opening day. Damn, it was a good time. Year like 17, I think, something like that. Uh it was great. The game was fine, but it was a fun game, actually. We lost, but it was a, it was a fun game. Um, I've had a lot of beer. I I've been trying to count the number in my head, and I keep I don't think I I don't think I know the number. Of beers that we had on opening yeah. day, the the number is not. It's not attainable. It's not attainable. All no. I know there's is there's a couple of, there's a couple of hazy beers in there that we're not. I, I don't know because <laughs> I I remember like we we went into Flannery's to like wait for an Uber and then we I think we had a Guinness in there. Oh, we chugged a Guinness in Flannery's. I don't remember how many beers we had at Hoople's. Uh, several from the sixth inning to the end of the game. I, I feel like we had a couple beers. I don't remember that number. There's a, there's yeah. a couple gray areas for sure. Uh, we did really well. We started we started about eleven. Well, we started eight o'clock in the morning playing around a golf uh, on a simulator. That was great. But we did our best to just drink like light beers. But then that no rule kind of uh, that rule kind of went out the window later though, and we just were drinking. You just whatever. needed to pace yourselves. We tried, we tried, but then, yeah. but then we were on drink like two hundred. <laughs> if you start just, with IPAs, though, it's it's just not a good time. It you got to kind of ease yourself into agreed, it. Yeah, agreed. All day. But IPAs, opening day, IPAs I got to tell you, all day drinking beers. No, not at all. I I think the Guardians deserve some praise for opening day. Uh, remember, last year was like a clusterfuck at opening day. You couldn't get into a bathroom. The lines for the concessions oh, yeah. were outrageous. Like to get a goddamn hot dog took an hour. You missed. I, Joe, you, me, and your dad, Brown's Bandito over here, uh, we missed like three innings just to go get like a beer. Yeah. Like it, it was you would have missed half the game with the with how fast the games go now. It was an absolute cluster last have- year. This year wasn't like that. This year we we got into the bathrooms all right. You could go get a beer. You could go get some food if you wanted to. Like it really seemed like they cleaned a lot of that up. So shout out to the Guardians because – Otherwise, besides that, just an awesome time down there. Just an yeah. awesome time. It was great. great. All right. Love that. Uh, all right. My cheer of the week goes to uh, Grant Williams from the Celtics. Uh, if you'll remember, Mr. Williams was uh, in their last game against the Cavaliers. He was on the free throw line uh, with a chance to win the game. And he was caught on camera mouthing to Donovan Mitchell that he was going to make both of the free throws. He was going to make both. And, and then he missed both free throws, and the Cavaliers wound up winning that game. And he could have iced it from the line. If he would have hit his free throws, game over. But instead he missed. They go into overtime. Cavaliers win the game, right? One thing I love is somebody that is just happy to make fun of themselves. And so an account on Twitter today put out a tweet that said, give me your best I'm not him moment. 
And he responded. He quote, quote tweeted it. And all he said was, quote, I'm going to make both these free throws. <laughs> I always, anybody nice. who's willing, nice. especially a pro athlete, right? Anybody who's willing to just make fun of themselves. Anybody who's willing to just turn something that they did that kind of sucked into a joke. Mad respect. Yeah. Mad respect. Big time respect for Grant. Like, I, I love that he did that. Made me laugh all day. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I'm just giving him cheers for being willing to make fun of himself. All day? Were you in, like, appointments going, <laughs> Grant Williams, fucking Grant. No, but people Big kept guy. retweeting it all day, and everybody, constantly people had, like, different comments about it that were making me laugh. So, yeah, it was an all-day all thing, Chad. Okay. It was, like, mid-bite of a burger. Just... <laughs> yes, a cop. Oh, Grant. Yeah, Grant. Silly guy. That guy. Oh, yeah. I love it. All right, boys. Listen, uh, that's going to do it for us. 1030 has come and gone, but uh, we're not too far behind it. But uh, episode 160, fellas, uh, again, three years into Garage Beers, uh, and we love it. Uh, our last order of business every week is just to take care of our thank yous. Our first thank you goes out to the OBR, the Orange and Brown Report, uh, having us on the streaming network every week, having us be a part of this team. The team is awesome. Uh, shout out to the OBR tomorrow night. Seven o'clock on the streaming network. It's OBR Weekly with Barry McBride, Fred uh, Fred Greetham, and then Thursday night. I uh, don't know what time yet, but all eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward. We are streaming four nights a week, and we've got some big things planned for the NFL draft. So make sure you are tuned in. Make sure you are subscribed to the OBR. Uh, huge thank you goes out to Tim Alcorn, the radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, coming out to talk about a little Cavs basketball as we head into the playoffs again. Catch Tim Alcorn on the Cavaliers radio network starting Saturday as the Cavs start their series against the New York Knicks. Playoff basketball in Cleveland uh, starts on Saturday. Something to get really, really excited about. Love having Tim Alcorn on. Huge cheers to him for coming on. And lastly, our biggest thank you goes out to you. Everybody that joined us live in the comments, thank you guys for being lively. Thank you for having fun with us. Thank you for your questions, your comments, your jokes. We love that you join the the, uh, the show and we love having you on with us if you are joining us later if you couldn't watch us live but you're going to listen later or watch us later cheers to you as well for the support we love you guys we really appreciate you so that's going to do it for us for episode 160 of the garage beers podcast for joey down in nashville tennessee at garage beers joe for chad over on the east side of cleveland at garage beers chad i am michael keith at garage beers mike and we will see you next week for episode 161 until then cheers everybody <laughs>